Welcome to the weekend wrap up. This is Zoe, the intern here at KLRC. Maybe you're like me and you don't catch everything on the air, but that doesn't mean you have to miss out. I'm sharing highlights from Mark and Christie's morning show, Middays with Isaac and Robert, and The Drive Home with Anson and Kara. Let's see what they've been up to this week. Every Monday this summer has been Mondays with Meg, where Christy and Mark share the breakfast table with Coach Meg. She's offered tips and advice for living healthier lives. And this week, Meg talked about increasing strength and maintaining healthy habits in the midst of vacationing. We've been looking forward to another Mondays with Meg. We love checking in with you. And by the way, can I give a little shout out? Because I heard this earlier today. So Christy said you're down 12 pounds now, right? I am. 12 pounds. Congrats, Team (laughs) Christy. Thank you. And I've got to say, I could have done it without Coach Meg. And and we're still going. I mean, the journey is not over for sure. Uh, But one of the things besides just losing weight one of the things that's really been helpful to me and just so meaningful is my strength yeah okay i i've helped my son with his baseball team i'll take a group of boys during practice and i'll hit them baseballs i'll I'll hit them balls and then throw them and one thing i noticed i'm not kidding you it's like that movie rookie of the year where the the little boy he has this surgery on his arm he's like 12 and then all of a sudden he's like has this bionic arm and they put him in the major leagues okay yeah I felt like that at my son's practice. I started throwing the ball and I literally looked at my arm and I went, whoa, because I felt like, oh my goodness, I'm so much stronger. It was noticeably different. This was about a month after we had started working out and it just totally made my day. It's just one of those small victories, a part of this. And, and I feel like in this journey, just as much as losing the weight, the strength in, in me, my legs, even riding my bike, I've noticed are just is, are stronger. And so I just want to ask you about that. Like, how can someone increase their lean muscle mass? And then what about protein and carbs? And how is that all connected? Yeah, I love that, Christy. So that's what I call a non-scale victory. And those are my favorite victories, mm-hmm. first of all, just when I hear people talk about the differences, that how they feel. Um, okay, so, man, yes, Christy has put on some lean muscle mass, and I would say it's a it's a combination of how we've been training okay. and then how she's been eating. And so with training, a great way, especially for, let's just use new beginners, um, a great way to start to increase your lean muscle mass is resistance training. Yeah. And uh, there's several different examples of resistance training, so... We do uh, free weight, which is like the barbells and the dumbbells. Yeah. And then you can also do cable machines. You can do resistance bands, um, things like that to really incorporate into your your workout. That will help you build that muscle mass. Okay. And then you said eating, too, is a big part of it, right? Yeah. Eating is a huge... Eating is the part. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say it's honestly 85% of the progress that you're going to see is going to come from your nutrition. And so, um, again, you know, Christy, starting off with Christy, um, she had a pretty, I don't know, a generic kind of bland diet. Uh Um, And one thing that I noticed was that she was not getting enough protein or calories throughout her day. And so um, we created a meal plan for her and, and we're just, some guidance on lean protein. And so starting off, 
like a, an easy rule of thumb is um, 0.8 grams of protein per body weight. Okay. 0.8? Yeah, 0.8, yeah. Mm-hmm. And those lean proteins, those are things like chicken, salmon, I know is a big one for Christy. She loves salmon, those kind of things, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, lean beef, lean cuts of beef. Also, things that aren't meat. So, Greek yogurt. Um, a really good, you know, high quality protein shake would be awesome after a workout. Um, I also like to get those packets of tuna, um, and just have them to throw into my diet throughout the day. Okay. Well, one thing that's kind of been shocking to me about this is I feel like I'm eating more often throughout the day and yet I'm still losing weight, which has been really cool because I'm all about eating. (laughs) It's really, really good. Hey, before I let you go, since we've been talking about eating, so next week I'm going on vacation. Everything's going to get disrupted. We're staying in a hotel room. There's no kitchen. Like all the normal rhythms are completely out. Do you have any quick advice on how to not have next week just completely blow up on me? Yes. Okay, so if you can have a healthy breakfast, that is going to really create um, just a healthier day, a healthier mindset, healthier body throughout the day. You'll find yourself not as hungry. You won't want to overeat as much if you have mm-hmm. that good um, breakfast. And then if you're able to, take healthy, high-protein snacks. We mm. already know you're going to get plenty of fats and carbs next week. And probably not the healthiest one. Right. And so, right. If can, yeah, if you can have those healthy options of those proteins um, available, then that's going to really help you. Okay. Week. Yeah, and then I won't feel as guilty about some of the other mm-hmm. stuff we might eat, too. The, I was just going to say that. And also, just remember, you're on vacation, so have fun. And when you get back, get right back towards your working okay. towards your goals. I think I just heard Coach Meg say, go eat whatever I want. Next. No, you didn't, no, no, Mark. No, you didn't. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> uh, thanks, Coach Meg. <laughs> You're welcome. I really loved that point Coach Meg made about enjoying your vacation, but also giving yourself healthy options to counterbalance the other stuff you may be enjoying and getting back to normal rhythm and routine. I'm personally still trying to work on a routine, which is in of itself a challenge, but it is incredible to see how good we can feel when we take care of our bodies. I've been trying to take better care of myself lately, and it really does make a huge difference. And you know, when we take care of our bodies, we last a bit longer on Earth, but not nearly as long as some of these things that Christy shares. So Mark, this is blowing my mind. Okay. Okay. I was reading something about the oldest stuff, basically. Okay. Okay. All right. Anywhere from restaurants to items to hotels. Okay. So these are things that have been around the longest? Yeah. Listen to this. The oldest hotel is an inn in Japan. Okay. Named Nishiyama Onsen Kyankan. Okay. It has been open since 705 AD. And has been running by the same, oh, yeah, seven seven oh five AD AD, and it has been run by the same family for fifty two generations. Unreal wow. to me. Probably not an Airbnb now, huh? <laughs> no. Okay. Unbelievable. Fifty two generations. Yeah. Can you imagine the pressure? Because who's going to break that now? Oh yeah. Yeah, like if somebody right. like you, like you can't be the one that like yeah oh, yeah sorry, fifty generations of my family have kept this since yeah. seven 
705-580. And there's there's so much beauty in that to me. Just, oh, yeah. The, I, th- I mean, the stories? Yeah. That's and really cool, actually. Another thing blew my mind. The oldest functioning clock. Okay, it's in the UK uh-huh. at Salisbury Cathedral, which is a famous cathedral. Yeah. 637 years old. It does not have a face and instead strikes on the hour. Brenda, it can't have batteries. 600 years old. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I mean, that would have been before electricity. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, a, like some kind of mechanical thing that just... Huh. Or maybe someone just walks over there and moves it. <laughs> Winds it up. It then, probably does have to be wound up. Yeah. That's, <laughs> in, that's insane. But that's well, 637 years year old, old still functioning clock. There is something cool about stuff that lasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but... Yeah. And, and it connects you to me to past generations because because yeah. you think in your head you know my great 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 granddad right. yeah watched the same clock right or was a part of this like there's a connection there to me yeah somebody from the 1700s was walking around looking at that clock yeah that's wild and then this is interesting to me the oldest known genes like blue jeans. Okay. We're, we're pulled from a trunk in a shipwreck. The ship sank in 1857, so we know that genes are at least 166 years old. So they had genes in what, 18? 18... Yeah, 1857. 57. Okay. So, it's interesting. That's wow. a good product right there. That's a good idea. <laughs> like, that's that's the commercial. And does right? anyone know who came up with jeans? I feel sorry for that person because they get no credit, and it right. truly has changed yeah, so it, many lives. Yeah, because the only one gets credit is it was Levi. Sure, right? <laughs> yes. It's like hijacked it, but it was really probably some some dude back in the 1800s or some lady that created it. A thousand percent. Wow. Anyway, okay. I don't know. I just think that's really, that's really interesting, and... Um, that passed down for 52 generations thing to me, though. Yeah, the, the That's hotel. really, really cool. Yeah. I, like I, and you know what? I know there are things like that here, just even in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, it might not be Oklahoma. 52 generations, but still something that's been passed around. That's right. Something that has stuck time. in the family for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those stories are out there. That really is mind-blowing, like Christy said. It also made me think of the preserved jars and tools and other stuff that archaeologists have dug up, you know, examining pieces of history and how durable some of those items are. Or at least, you know, preserved, buried well, beneath the ground, kept safe for us to find. I wonder what historians will think of our tools and our pottery and technology hundreds of years from now. They'll probably think we were a bit weird, all of our fidget spinners and Amazon Echoes. (laughs) But something that can make our future brighter is raising up kids who are active and involved in making a positive difference. This is pretty awesome. A six-year-old boy from Bentonville is going to get a chance to meet with lawmakers soon on Capitol Hill. His name is Theo, Theo Summers. He's been selected as the 2023 Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation's Children's Congress Delegate to represent the state of Arkansas. JDRF is a nonprofit that helps drive progress in finding cures for type 1 diabetes. And six-year-old Theo, along with his fellow delegates, will get a chance to go to Washington. 
They'll share their struggles and personal stories of dealing with type 1 diabetes with lawmakers. And they'll advocate for continuing funding of research. He told a reporter that the reason he wants to go is because he wants to help support kids like him with type 1 diabetes. Some of the things that Theo will get a chance to do, advocate for those special diabetes programs and insulin affordability. It's going to be headed to see Congress on July 9th, 10th, and 11th. Just a couple of weeks away. The six years old from Bentonville. And we are proud of you. A six-year-old boy from Bentonville. Seems like a lot of pressure for a six-year-old to be our Arkansas representative, but I bet he's a very smart six-year-old. Seriously, though, this is a great way for young people to get involved and get excited about making a positive difference on this big scale. Like Mark said, super proud and excited for Theo. Up next, here are some of the best breaks from Robert. Talk about the best birthday celebration ever. I'm Robert on 90.9 KLRC, and I was reading about a man named Dr. Robert Moore. He's been a resident of the San Jose community for a long time now, and uh, he just recently got to celebrate his 100th birthday in a unique way, a special way. See, his daughter Allison put out the word on the Nextdoor app, asking the neighbors to be a part of something that would make her dad really happy. He loves dogs. And so she said, hey, if you can bring your dog over, let's do a dog parade. You can dress them up however you like. She expected expected maybe 20 people to show up with their dogs. More than 200 dogs and their owners came by for this puppy doggy parade and they dressed up the dogs in cowboy hats and, and tuxedos and they were pulling carts and they had classic cars. I mean, this had to be the cutest scene ever. And Dr. Moore was beyond touched. Big old smile. Best 100th birthday celebration ever. There is a shared expectation of men in their homes across the country, across the world. That expectation is that we will take care of the odd and the strange things that have made their way into the house. Well, I'm Robert on 90.9 KLRC, and more specifically, when there are bugs that climb into the house from somewhere, it's either my wife or my daughter, my mom-in-law, they're like, ew, you know, Robert, come take care of this. Now, internally, I'm like, ew, I don't want to touch it either but externally i can't do that i gotta act all tough i gotta get you know some some tissue or napkins to go yeah i got this bug and everybody's safe but internally i'm like don't touch it don't touch it don't touch it don't touch it it is often the little things that we do for others that have the biggest impact. Hey, I'm Robert on 90.9 KLRC. I was reading a story from Kirsten, and she was sharing online that she works at a grocery store, and there was this mom who came in, and she was paying for her food through one of the self-checkouts, and she was getting milk and diapers. And then she didn't have enough money at the end. And so she calls one of the workers over. It happened to be Kirsten. And she's like, hey, can you void this milk? I can't afford the milk and the diapers at the same time. Kirsten's like, um, and she pulls out her own money and says, here you go. And ends up paying for the milk for this mom. And this mom was just almost crying. You could see the relief in her face. And Kirsten was so happy to be a part of that interaction. It didn't just make the mom's day. It made her day. That last story got to me because that is something any of us could do. It is such a small sacrifice on our part, buying milk for someone, and yet it makes all of the difference to the person receiving it. Really inspired by that story. From the drive home, here's some highlights from Anson and Kara. 
It is starting to get a little bit warm outside, Ooh, It Kara. really is. Summer officially begins tomorrow. Ooh, oh, they, okay. The yeah. weather didn't get the memo. No. It started a little while ago. Man, yeah, it's warm. <laughs> but we are entering into peak temperature season. Yep. And yeah, I was reading today, many people are calling this time of year uh-huh. women's winter. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? Because for many women who work in an office, uh-huh. when the outside temperatures are up, the inside temperatures seem to plunge. Oh, that is so true. People crank up the air conditioning. You're, do you feel this way? I do, actually. Okay. Yeah. You're not wrong. My wife, a lot of times, will go to church. She works at a church. Yeah. And when we go, you know, it'll be like, it's supposed to be 96 degrees that day. Oh, yeah. And she'll have on a cardigan. Yeah. And we kind of like, what? <laughs> what's going on here? You know, like it seems a little, yeah, it seems a little warm outside for that. And she's uh-huh. like, not inside. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Oh. And actually, I was reading today as well. There was a study published about a year or two ago where they found women are much more likely to be uncomfortably cold in the office during the summer. And not only that, female performance on verbal and math tests actually decreased (laughs) the colder the temperature was. Oh, no. Whereas the opposite was true for men. Oh, that's rough. They tested worse in warmer temperatures. Oh, come on. So it's like, I don't Uh, know, something about our biology is like setting us up against each other. We can't win. It's a thermostat wars. That's not good. I have really been craving some ice cream today. I don't know if it's because it's just like really feeling like summer outside or just because it's the afternoon and I'm hungry. <laughs> I think I crave ice cream pretty much every day. Well, so I mean, there is that. It's understandable. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm craving ice cream today. And so when I ran across this ranking of the top ice cream flavors, uh-huh. according to experts by studyfinds.org, wow. I thought I probably should share these with you because they seem important. Yeah. Okay. So number one, uh-huh. I'm not sure I agree with this, but uh, number one is chocolate. That's My wife would choice. agree with you. I know, I know. We've That's had this favorite. discussion. Number two is vanilla, which I know is probably your preference. Or I mean, a one a, a preference. If it's the basics that we're it's going for, but I can be a lot more creative than just chocolate or vanilla. That's what I'm Come saying. On, people. Number three is cookies and cream. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of improvement. Uh-huh. Number four, mint chocolate chip. I do like mint, mint chip. Okay. Cookie dough is number five. Yeah, that should be higher. It should be. And a this, lot higher. This leads me to question: <laughs> Who are these ice cream experts you speak uh-huh. of, and what are their qualifications? <laughs> yeah, I would like to know. Clearly, I think you and I are I, more qualified. I think so. We should take over this research study. Exactly. Kara, you probably remember Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Oh, yes. The story about Goldilocks, right? She is always saying something is too much of one thing or another. Uh-huh. Right? Like the bed is too soft or it's too hard. Yeah. The porridge is too hot or it's or too, too cold. cold. Yeah. And she wants it to be just right. Just right. <laughs> I feel like I have this kind of attitude when it comes to my prayer life sometimes. Ooh, yeah. Like, I think about the things that I want to pray for as falling into two categories. Either uh-huh. they're too big for God... Ah. Like so-and-so has terminal cancer, right? Or people are dying of starvation all over the world. Right. Please feed them. Those are big. Or they're too small for God, right? Mm. Like I've got this weird pain in my arm today. Please take it away. Or I've (laughs) lost my car keys and it's kind of inconvenient. Or, you know, my pet scratched my kid. Please help them to behave better. Or, you know, that kind of thing. And, And so it feels like so often I'm shying away from approaching God in prayer because it feels like these requests don't fit into that perfect middle. Interesting. But that's just it, right? It's yeah. when it comes to God and prayer, there is no perfect middle. Mm. Everything when it comes to prayer is just right mm, to bring to so God. Good. I love that analogy so much. 
Lately, I've been trying to work more on my spiritual life, my connection and relationship to Jesus, and a big part of that is prayer. And it can be hard figuring out how to do it. It can feel one-sided. It can feel unnecessary, like God already knows everything, so why do I need to tell him? And yet we know from scripture that prayer is powerful and important. Jesus himself, the Son of God, (laughs) prayed to his Father in heaven. Really good reminder that there is nothing too big or too small for God. Thank you so much for listening to this week's wrap-up. Join me next week as we catch up on things you might have missed during the week. Until then, have a great weekend.